Good morning. I think uh, Don's uh, uh, children's sermon this morning pretty much summed up what I'm going to say today, so maybe we can just should all just go home, you know, <laughs> when she said, be prepared. Um, sometimes I like to share just a little story, a little humorous story, just to kind of help settle my uh, nerves and, and butterflies, etc. So sometimes I use Nancy as the object of my story, and um, she hits me, but uh, that's okay. Um, and sometimes I tell them on other people and sometimes on myself. And this one this morning is kind of on myself. Um, our, um, we have three grandsons that live in New York um, in a set of twins. Um, and Luke is one of the twins, six years old. And um, he plays chess. He belongs to a chess club. His uh, California grandpa taught him how to play chess. Uh, the Indiana grandpa teaches him about baseball. A <laughs> little bit difference in the mentality there. So anyhow, Luke was in a chess tournament, and he won it. And he was beating uh, kids in there that were 9, 10 years old, and he's 6. And he lost a couple as well, but he won the tournament, and he's pretty proud of it. He's got a two-foot trophy for this thing. So when we were out there the last time, he says, Papa, you want to play some chess? I said, well, um, Luke, you know I've never played chess before. You're going to have to help me with this. So he said, okay. So um, he puts the board out, and he said, put your pieces out. So I started putting them out, and he said, that's wrong, Papa. He, just, just let me do it for you. And I said, okay, get them set up. So we started out, and I think he asked me to go ahead and move first. So I moved first, and he says, you can't do that. So anyway, we got, oh, maybe about uh, eight moves into the game, and he says, checkmate. <laughs> I said, what do you mean checkmate? I said, I still got all these pieces here. He said, I just beat you. And then he looks at me, and he says, Papa. I said, what, Luke? He says, you no good. <laughs> Luke was right. <laughs> Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we love you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will permeate every heart, mind, and soul in this church. Bind Satan from this place for a little while. Open our hearts and minds to the message you would have each of us receive throughout this worship service. I pray that the words I speak will be blessed by you. And if I say something that's not in accordance with your words, let my words be quickly forgotten. Bless each person hearing this message. I pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. Amen. Andy has been preaching a series on heaven, which has been great. And I think today is uh, part nine. I think there's maybe one or two more sessions. And um, Dale spoke a few weeks ago. And at the end, he made a challenge to us. And it just set up uh, what I'm going to be speaking about today. The... Um, Pastor Andy had asked me to preach today on the question, how can we be sure that we are going to heaven? And a relation, related question is, how can I be certain that I am saved? These are important questions because the answer has eternal implications. 
Do you know for certain that you are going to heaven when you die? Do you know for certain that you are saved? If you die one minute from now, do you know for certain where you will spend eternity? And I pray that that will be heaven because the alternative won't be very pleasant. Physical life can end without any warning whatsoever. Some believe they can't be saved because they have been so sinful that God can't possibly forgive them. That just isn't true. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There's a parable told by Jesus in Matthew 21 to 16, which proves that it is never too late to be saved. It's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. I'm not going to read all 16 verses, but we'll summarize the gist of the parable. A landowner went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. About the third hour, he hired more workers. He did the same the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. At the end of the day, he paid all the workers the same amount of money. The workers hired first grumbled against the landowner because he had made them equal with those that were hired last. It isn't fair, they said. The lesson of the parable is that it is never too late to be saved. Equate the money earned to salvation, although you can't even earn salvation. In the parable, the first workers were saved early in life. The last workers were saved late in life. Is it fair? Jesus said it's fair when he replied, Don't I have the right to do what I want? Or are you envious because I am generous? I'm not yet ready to go to heaven, but I am prepared. Be prepared. I know for certain that I'm going to heaven because I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I've prayed a sinner's prayer. It really is that simple, praying a sinner's prayer. I can't tell you the exact moment I was saved, but I do know where and when the process began. It was during my cursillo, now called Journey Through Faith, weekend retreat in May 1983 in Lake Mills, Wisconsin. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit as I listened to personal witnesses given by both clergy and lay people. I was overwhelmed by God's love and truly felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. The weekend events caused me to look in a mirror. I didn't like what God revealed to me in that mirror. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit and faced with the fact that I was a sinner in need of redemption and needed to accept Jesus into my heart as my Savior. <clears throat> it was then that I silently prayed my personal sinner's prayer and invited Jesus into my heart. Salvation is a gift from God. You cannot earn your way to salvation. If you could earn your way to heaven, 
by doing good works, then why did Christ die on the cross for you? Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, means God's riches at Christ's expense. We can never be saved because of what we do. We can only be saved because of what Jesus has already done for us. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for all our sins and was resurrected to life so that we could all have eternal life with him in heaven is the core of our Christianity. I'll share briefly the steps to know that you are going to heaven. And then I'll provide the biblical support for each of these steps. One must be born again. Acknowledge that you are a sinner. Confess your sins. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Believe in Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit. And accept the blessed assurance of salvation. That's it in a nutshell. And they all can be done in a simple sinner's prayer. Several scripture passages support these steps. Don't be overwhelmed as I share. Just relax and listen. There's a bulletin insert that lists the scriptures to which you can read and meditate on and absorb at your leisure. Let's talk first about one must be born again. What does it mean to be a born again Christian? I believe it has to do with being saved. That is, accepting Jesus in our hearts as Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that. A Bible passage that supports this is John 3, 1-7. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a Pharisee. Jesus told him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus asked, how can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. To me, the term, the phrase born again literally means born from above. Nicodemus needed a change of his heart, a spiritual transformation. New birth, being born again, is an act of God whereby eternal life is imparted to the person who believes. John 1, 12 and 13 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I truly believe that I had a spiritual transformation during that Curcio weekend retreat and was born again. Just because I've been born again doesn't mean that I'm no longer a sinner. I'm human. I still fall. When I started to walk as a toddler, I fell more than I stood. Should I expect anything different from my spiritual walk? Secondly, acknowledge that you are a sinner. Every human being that has ever lived, with the exception of Jesus Christ himself, has sinned. Romans 3, 22 to 25 says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Next is confess your sins. Confession is good for the soul and leads to salvation. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Whether or not you confess in this life, you definitely will confess in the next life. Philippians 2, 9-11 says, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Understand that this is universal. All people, dead or alive, will confess Jesus as Lord, whether they are saved or not. The committed atheist and agnostic will confess this fact, even if they are in hell forever. Next step is repent. To repent means to feel sincerely sorry for your past sins or wrongdoings and turn away from them or discontinue doing them. Repentance will help remove guilty feelings. 
In Matthew 3, 1, John the Baptist says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Ezekiel 18.30 says, Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Acts 16.30-31 says the Philippians jailer asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And they said, and Jesus said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Next step is to ask for forgiveness. We see that in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Note the qualification here. We must forgive those who trespass against us. In Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's not easy. And it may not happen immediately, but seems to be mandatory. In order to be saved, we do not have to forgive others at that moment of being saved. But that forgiveness occurs after we recognize and accept that God has forgiven us. We can be saved without forgiving others immediately, but we cannot grow in our salvation without forgiving others. In Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, there is no end to forgiving others just as there is no end to God forgiving us. Next step, accept the forgiveness. Don't let guilt follow you the rest of your life. Take away the guilt of sin by accepting God's forgiveness. Guilt can eat away at you and be a thorn in your side, much like Paul had an unnamed thorn in his side. Even King David in Psalm 38.4 said, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Get rid of that guilt by accepting God's forgiveness. Isaiah 6-7 includes the statement, Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Christ's death enables a person to be holy, blameless, and free from guilt. Colossians 1 verses 21 and 22 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Next step, believe in Jesus. Jesus is 
the only way to salvation and heaven. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We all know this next verse. John 3.16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Next step. Receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is not difficult. Keep your heart and mind open to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us how in Revelation 3.20, when he said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. By opening your heart to Jesus, you will develop a permanent, fruitful relationship with him. Next step. Accept the blessed assurance of salvation. Open your hearts and minds and accept your salvation. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And that would be eternal life with him. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 1.21 and 22 says, Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I have not addressed the subject of baptism. But I will say, however, that if, we, if you are a new believer or will soon become a believer and have not been baptized, baptism might just be the very first step of obedience for a new believer. It really is simple to know for certain that you are saved and are going to heaven. Trust me, it is a blessed assurance. Being saved doesn't mean that this life will now be a bed of roses. 
there will still be trials, tribulations, and temptations. Even after you've been saved, Satan is going to attack you. Satan often jumps on my shoulders and whispers in my ear that I won't make it. It's all a hoax. You're a sinner, and sinners come to me, not to heaven. I just say, get behind me, Satan. Jesus has died on the cross for me and was resurrected to life in order that I might have eternal life with him. I don't stand on a corner or stand in an aisle in Walmart and ask passers-by if they know for certain that they're going to heaven. That's not my calling. It's not my style. God, however, has led me to people where death was imminent. I ask these folks if they know they are going to heaven. Some say, I think so. Well, one needs to know so and be able to say, yes, I know for certain that I am going to heaven. God led me to lead them in a sinner's prayer. Some have prayed in their head. Some have prayed verbally. All of them are now in heaven. Certainly not because of me, but because of their acceptance of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I look forward to seeing them again when I enter heaven. It's imperative that each of us know for certain that we are saved and are going to heaven when we die our physical death. The absolute most important event in our life is to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Again, the absolute most important event in our life is to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God does not real, reveal to us when we will die. In Matthew 24, 42, Jesus is speaking of his second coming. But I believe that verse is applicable to the time when we will die our physical death. Jesus said, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Nancy and I attended two difficult funerals this week. Dr. Greg Sweet suffered a sudden massive heart attack four months ago and instantly went into a coma, never to wake up for the rest of his physical life. He didn't expect that. Five-year-old, very active, Ariana Aleph fell into a pond recently and drowned. The Aleph's foster daughter, three-year-old, also fell into that pond. And the night of Ariana's Aleph's funeral, that three-year-old also entered the gates of heaven last Monday night. Almost no one knows for sure when they will die. Are you prepared? 
In John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, heaven can be a certainty. In closing, I know many of you hearing this message have already been saved. I praise God for that. If you aren't sure that you've been saved, or you're not sure that you're going to heaven, seek out a Christian friend to help you obtain that assurance. Your pastor, I know Andy, is willing to speak with you. I'm willing to speak with you, and it would be a joy to speak and pray with anyone. There are several others here today who would be blessed to help you have the assurance of heaven. There's a bulletin insert which has a sample, Sinner's Prayer. You can develop your own sincere prayer. The point is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then celebrate the fact that you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ and will be escorted by angels to the gates of heaven. You may or may not feel different after you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. But you don't need to. <clears throat> your trust is not based on your feelings, but on the authority of the Word of God and His promise that He has made to each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the Holy Spirit being present in this place today. I pray that the message presented will encourage all whom have already been saved and are certain they will go to heaven. If there is anyone here who is not certain, convict them of the need to invite Jesus into their heart and life. Thank you for this opportunity to witness before these people this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.